Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you, Benjamin, for having me on your show. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. And... Um, yeah, I'll introduce myself. Um, I'm going to use my real name, and this is a big deal hmm. because I think parents need to start using the real name. So my name is Erin Friday, and I'm in Northern California. I am a parent of a child who desisted uh, about seven, eight months ago. Um, she no longer thinks that she's a boy. She was trans-identified for about two years and um, slowly came back to her uh, real self after, you know, quite a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, um, and actually for the last year and a half, I've been an advocate. So I was an anonymous advocate for a while, and now I'm out in my real name uh, here in California, testifying in Congress. Uh, testifying against bills and um, writing and um, trying to wake up the sleeping giant of other parents to um, come forth and join in uh, the fight. The army is being built. Um, I'm sure you feel this, Benjamin, um, and maybe I'm just uh, optimistic, but we're getting closer to the tipping point. Well, California is helping you by making some pretty, what I would think of as insane laws. Uh, they're like a sanctuary state for minor transition now. Did that go all the way through? No, we're still fighting that. So that okay. bill, um, funny you should mention that. I just wrote my my third opposition letter. Uh, that bill is now at the assembly. And um, for the first time, at the last vote, Democrats abstained from the vote. Some of them did. I think there was six or seven, which is the equivalent of a no vote, which is progress. I know it sounds like really minimal, but it is massive progress. Um, a colleague of mine and some of the other parents, we have been meeting with lawmakers um, their staff usually because the lawmakers never show up uh, and been talking about these bills to them. So I'm hoping that we have been moving the needle. Um, we've also had a minor um, detransitioner show up to one of the hearings. and Not a minor, she- but a minor. So she's not like not a major detransitioner. She's just an underage detransitioner. She's just an to... underage. De- she is. She is. I'm sure she's grand, right? Yeah, she is grand. I mean, she's just. I I don't know if you know of her, but Chloe Cole is hmm. just a, a stunning, a stunning young woman. Um, hmm. Just outspoken and just amazing. So she came to she came to the legislature and testified. Um, uh, so I'm hoping that the more stories that the, mm-hmm. uh, they hear, 
that they will start understanding that this is a a nonpartisan issue. Um, I'm a registered Democrat of 30 years. And Uh, you're clinging to that. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm I'm just. Well, let's just say. Has your faith been shaken? Democrats. Well, on both on both sides. Look, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think either party is um, is perfect, and you know, I'm ashamed of the Democratic Party because of um, they touted themselves as the scientific, the party of science, and they're not following science at all. They do when it suits. Correct. Them, yeah. Correct. And they don't seem to see the writing on the wall. They don't they don't they don't understand that the parents in my parent group um, and even across the nation, we were Democrats or we are Democrats. Most of the people people that are getting caught up in this are Democrats and we're against this and they don't seem to want to hear us. Uh, I have been miscast as or misgendered (laughs) as a right wing you know, Republican, uh, multiple times. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that their constituents are against this, and mm-hmm. I, and I don't understand why. The mechanic mechanisms of how these groups operate, um, and the mechanisms of power, really fascinating. But since you have been able to move the needle, what are some of the ways that you found that are productive in contacting with them? And how do you speak to these people in power? And how have you and your group been able to awaken them and get them to, if not go in your direction, then to so-called abstain from allowing this to proceed? Well, I can only tell you what we do. I can't tell you what resonates with them. Mm -hmm. Um, what we do is we have the one-on-one conversations and we set up meetings with the lawmakers and with their staff and we tell them our real stories okay with our real faces and we tell them what has happened to our families and that we and and that we were democrats or are democrats and so that they can't again recast us as you know religious right-wing people mm-hmm. um, and we we humanize the situation and we have parents like me who have a sister child. We have parents who have detransitioned children. And we talk about the fact that had we, you know, had we um, ascribed to the gender affirmative model or followed any of the doctors, any of the doctors that gave us advice, yeah. our children would be um, irreversibly harmed. Yeah. So we do that. Um, we write letters. And um, what was really cool, our last, the last hearing, we had a bunch of parents call in and oppose the bill. And we had 47 call in, but that's a drop in the bucket. There were so many other people lined up to call in. Um, The legislature, I think, stopped the phone calls. (laughs) But it was pretty impactful to hear all those voices as I sat there. And with each phone call that's there, I hope the lawmakers understand that there's a hundred people behind them. Mm-hmm. Because you wait online, you're online for you know you're you're on hold for a couple hours mm-hmm. to say my name is and I oppose this bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
we've been we've been doing that and more and more parents have become emboldened because they've also seen that I haven't been you know physically attacked for showing up um and that it's safe to come out and we have been um told by so many people we we will be canceled we will be harmed we will lose our jobs we will lose everything um if we if we talk about this and i'm not sure that's true so the the narrative used to be uh, would you rather have a living son or a dead daughter now would you rather have a living son a dead daughter a dead career uh, ostracization from all of uh, your society and uh, a stigma that follows you around as a hateful person so that whole thing is kind of extended y- yes yeah a- and uh but then you have to talk about the fact that these are children. And so if you're not going to stand up for children, what will you possibly stand up for? Mm-hmm. What is more important than that? Nothing. Well, that's where the narrative needs to be challenged, correct? Because the trans, the pro-trans lobby and the uh, senators or the representatives that are following along and the doctors, a lot of the doctors, psychologists, counselors, school administrators are all trying to save the children too. Um, and it's the parents that need to move out of the way. So the narrative is to take control of parent rights or the predominance of parents in the uh, in the life of the child rather than the state and all of its infrastructure. Um, so that's kind of the, the narrative that you guys have to change by showing up, by putting yourselves in, mm-hmm. you know, in front of the tank, uh, so-called. Yeah, and it's time to rush the stage. Hmm. We are there. Mm-hmm. Two mm-hmm. years ago, maybe not so much, but we are there. Um, p- parents who don't have kids in this are waking up to what is happening. The mm-hmm. numbers are too big. The, I mean, at San Francisco Unified School District right now, they have a drop-down menu with a gender called autism gender. That you can just I mean, identify as autistically gendered? I, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, <laughs> like, it, 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 it's so crazy. I mean, the crazier and, and the more insipid it gets, yeah, yeah. the safer it is for people to come out and say, you know, WTF. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, not, and it's not just a f- passing phase. It's not just like, oh, my kids uh, dyeing their hair black and painting their hair black and listening to not Aerosmith but Slayer or something like that. The the gender pronouns it, it sounds really innocuous on the surface, but the parents need to wake up that these pronouns lead to social transition and a rush, especially in California, towards medical transition. They can walk in, they can get the uh, testosterone. I don't know in California can they get that without the parents' consent. Are they able to access the services without the consent of the parents yet or the knowledge of the parents yet? Uh, Not legally, but we're moving at a fast clip to that. Um, But illegally, it's pretty easy. Um, Even the school websites. Have resources. Oh, yeah. If you go deep enough into the links, the school resources will will tell a kid how to do it. Yeah. yeah, and parents don't know this because you have you have to go link to link you to link. You have to be savvy. Yeah, yeah. 
um, you know, I jumped into one link on a school's website. Uh, it it says the website is for designed by kids for kids. Well, I joined. There was no vetting process at all. I joined and, and their question of the day or was it the week? I don't know what it was. The question of something was, how likely are you to date somebody who's older than you? Okay. How much older? Yeah. I mean, who's getting, who's getting those answers? Who's on, who's on that group chat? I am. Okay. You know, it's just, you know, where it's leading, it's leading to pedophile behavior. And that's on a school website when you bounce. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, yeah. And on top of that, we have the influence of the internet. So it's not just the influence of the internet, which is a really powerful uh, influence on this generation specifically. And uh, Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt and uh, Twenge uh, have all documented uh, the impact of the internet itself, but also there's porn culture. Also there's rapidly changing sexual mores on the internet, but also in the schools. So the schools are, uh, positioning gateways to the internet and the internet is encroaching on the schools and the administration and people within the schools are uh, advocating and building infrastructure that leads to the sexualization of minors or the uh, adult play or whatever uh you know the normalization at the very least of sexualizing yourself for the internet yep yep all 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 of all of that is true and i think um I think they're so brazen now. It's so, they're not even trying to hide it. I mean, look at Boston Children's Hospital. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of what's been been mm-hmm. going on with that. I mean, they're so brazen. I mean, the the audacity to make these light videos just so dancey. Like, yeah. oh, a, hyster- uh, a gender-affirming hysterectomy is just like any other hysterectomy. Like it, <laughs> you know, creepy, it's like getting your ears happy pierced. Music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just We're not thing. thinking, parents don't think this is, you know, we don't think this is funny. We don't, this is, um, you, you know, it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I have, I, I had a call from a parent who's got a 16 year old um, who in front of the parent said, we can take out your ovaries if, if your mom consents. She's 16. Hmm. And it, she's autistic. And the mom was in the room in the, at least, right? Or The mom was in the room. And then the child, because of black and white thinking, of course, yeah. that's her obsession now is to get her ovaries removed. Who... What human think that that's a good idea, except these, you know, trans advocacy groups? I I, I couldn't imagine even a teacher who's pushing for this, you know, for the GSA groups would say, yeah, I think it's okay for a 16 year old to remove her body parts. That's where it leads, though. That's where it leads. And that's, you know, that's the disconnect. So like, if if we start at the beginning, if we start at when when a parent finds out that their child is gender questioning, and you take your kid to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician 
kind of just shrugs his or her her shoulders and says, we'll go to the gender clinic. That pediatrician may or may not know that by sending that child to the gender clinic, that they're putting that child on the fast train to having body parts removed. Mm -hmm. And that's the disconnect Mm -hmm. that the pediatricians need to know sending the kid to the gender clinic is sending them for for surgical and irreversible damage. Teachers need to know that by changing a child's name and socially transitioning them, that they're putting them on the fast train too. And they don't know this. And that's where the parents have to come in. That's where we have to keep educating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not just about inclusion at this point. Uh, Inclusion was something to be nice and polite and courteous about 10 years ago. At this point, the infrastructure is in place where it is no longer a uh, slippery slope. It is a dedicated slip and slide. It, it, it's built. It, it's built. It's there. And it needs to be made obvious. People don't realize that it's not just being nice at this point. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from parents who also don't have kids in this. Like, I, I just want to be be nice. I'm like, you're not being nice. You're being the opposite of being nice. If you believe that you should never harm a child, then you should never call a child by the opposite name or use the opposite pronouns because you're harming the child. And the just a word on the gender clinics, the gender clinic isn't a place to help a child figure out gender distress, which is a social contagion right now. All the kids are really obsessed with gender and sexuality is probably eight, nine, 10 year olds. They talk about what's your sexuality and stuff before the hormones even kick in. But the whole gender thing, the gender clinics specifically themselves are designed to be gender affirmative and to go in one direction. And as we've seen, and maybe you can speak to this, the lack of alternative forms of care, the lack of questioning, the lack of uh, deep psychological help, the lack of comorbidities, the lack of telling the difference between an autistic person who's obsessed with this black and white thinking and somebody who has persistent, consistent and insistent uh, gender dysphoria, whatever that means, since they were two or three years old. Those are all lumped together and they're all applied the same basic protocol. Um, I would like to see evidence that gender, uh, so-called gender clinics are, you know, uh, stopping or gatekeeping or whatever, you know, like uh, at least telling the difference between a legitimate person who would benefit from physical transition and somebody who won't, who's just caught up in this thinking. But I don't see any evidence that they're doing thorough work zero zero i don't know one one parent and i I'm, i talked to parents nationwide one parent that said that they were given an alternative no. to gender affirming care not no. one no. who took their kid to a gender clinic uh no it's and, and you know what they do at the clinics is they separate the parents so this is you know emblematic of, of, of cults, right? They separate the parents and they have a parent room where the parents get indoctrinated and they have a children's room really? with older. Yeah. They separate them out. So the, so the kids get one education and the parents get another education and they're all designed and you could go to their websites. They're, 
They're all designed to convince the parent to be supporting. Mm -hmm. What support means is accepting of this trans identity. Mm -hmm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mm-hmm. There and is pound yeah. it into that. Yeah. And there's a clip on uh, that uh, Genevieve Gluck shared recently from Women's Voices uh, of from the Jazz Jenning uh, show. I am Jazz show. Yeah. And it, Jazz's genitals are being photographed and uh, there's not enough skin to do it. And it's bleeding, you know, this neo-vagina and all the drugs that's going. And anyways, the adults are like trying to talk around. You can see in their faces. They're like, uh this is a complete disaster. This is a complete disaster. But their words are like, oh, this, this might work out. This is going to be good. This is going to be okay. And Marcy Bauer is the um, trans-identified uh, doctor that is uh, uh, spearheading this whole thing. Even their face is completely like, uh, yeah, this might work out, you know. Uh, but it seems like everybody in that room, in that specific clip had all been on board, had all been uh, fully embraced this trans identity and putting their child through puberty blockers and hormone treatments and uh, genital surgery. And now they're realizing that all the things that they believe aren't adding up and they can't actually like be honest about that because the child's right there and the child Jazz Jennings still has no idea what their parents have done to them. At all, so that's just a nice little clip that encapsulates the outcome of of what you're speaking about with uh, indoctrination. Yeah, well, go to go to YouTube, go to YouTube, and go to trans families, hmm. and you can watch five kids talk about their and they're teaching parents. By the way, so this group is using children, okay, to educate parents about their trans kids. One of these children, he's 13. He is talking about the fact that he is still confused. He has been on puberty blockers. Sorry, I'm going to cry here. Whew, this is tough. He has been put on puberty blockers and estrogen. He's 13. He's af- afraid to talk about that maybe he still feels like a boy because his parents have spent so much money and so much time on his transition. You can hear it come out of his voice. This is posted on YouTube. And that's a Jazz Jennings again in the making. I mean, that I don't know when it's a point of no return for him where his genitals will never grow to be the size of a human man or whether, I mean, there's a point as, as Marcy Bauer says, there's a point where this child will never experience an orgasm. And you can see that kid, you can see him kind of having that conversation because he's having it, he's having it on film. I'm not 
Maybe it's just my anxiety. Maybe I'm just anxious. And he's putting that thought that maybe I am a boy. He's putting, he's throwing it in the garbage hmm. uh, because he doesn't want to disappoint the adults in the room. Mm-hmm. Tragic. Hmm. It's, it's absolutely tragic for this, for this kid. And, and, and I would love to know, I mean, I'm an attorney. I, I, I think these deposition questions in my head, I mean, I'd love to know, Marcy Bowers, how do you explain to an 11 and 12 year old, you're never going to have an orgasm and have the kid, what is one? Explain it in terms that an 11 or 12 year old can understand. You can't. They can never consent to this. They can never understand what that is unless they experienced it. No human actually can. And then compare it. Like, does the consent forms, does it talk about how important sexual function is in life? I mean, look at advertising, look at movies, look at books. How many books, movies, advertising have sex involved in them? Mm-hmm. How important is sex? Well, it's pretty yeah. darn important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's one way to describe it by looking at the media, but the media is kind of how we got into this problem in porn culture as well. But uh, just uh, within the context of a meaningful relationship and, and a long-term meaningful relationship, it's very important um, for this thing called love and romance and uh, syncing people up together, if that's even on the menu anymore. But that's something that's being denied these children. Right. I just don't think a parent has the right to sterilize their child. They don't have that right. They don't have that right to remove that child's sexual function. Certainly the doctors don't. Hmm. Um, but, you know, what, what, what doctor is giving them the alternative of this? Nobody. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's there's a there's a big alternative. I mean, we, we I, I know you you've had people on your show that talk about the desistance rate. If you just let these kids go through puberty, puberty is actually a cure for gender dysphoria for the young kids. It's a cure. It's you know, I mean, you can take 80 percent or 88 percent. But who are those doctors who have figured out that 12 percent difference and said this kid is going to persist and. Um, hmm. you know, and this is all based, I knew you had Sasha and uh, Stella on, um, and they talked about the Dutch model that's based on 55 patients. We are ruining children based on a study of 55 that has never been repeated. That's insane. Mm-hmm. In the entire power of the state of California and everything else is behind this. Yeah. Well, you know, California has a history of this, right? They, um, they sterilized a bunch of women in, in prisons. Really? Um, Just for curiosity or what was going on there? 
No, they just didn't want they didn't want that group in, and in mental health facilities. Okay. They didn't want that group procreating. Yeah. They just paid reparations to those women. Seven point five million dollars. They're doing it again. They're doing it to children though. They're sterilizing children who are mentally unwell. Yeah. Who are yeah. autistic. Yeah. They knew this. Yeah. Well, that the state of California can pay reparations, but the people who did that deed will never pay. The people who are doing this, I doubt, will ever pay. And not that vengeance is at all important and is completely secondary to stopping this, but it seems like they're, they're so insulated. They're... Their skin in the game is so minimal uh, that. I'm trying to change that. Hmm. I want the lawsuits to happen. Okay. Yeah. I am collecting the attorneys who are filing these lawsuits. Okay. Really? I am looking for the plaintiffs who want to file these lawsuits. Nobody's going to get a free pass. I don't want anybody to get a free pass. I'm sorry. Parents are not a forgiving group when it comes to harms to their children. And anybody who is in that line of indoctrination has their head on the chopping block. Okay. I mean, I, I want them to. I mean, we, we the advocacy groups, they're not going to get a hall pass on this. The teachers who turned a blind eye, no, no, uh-uh. No, the pediatricians who just passed them on to the gender clinic. We're not forgiving people. So in, to speak technically for a moment, you would have to figure out a chain of responsibility then? Is that what, what you're, you're drafting up or you presuppose should be drafted up is a you know chain of okay so the advocacy groups go into the schools and so the schools are responsible as well as the advocacy groups and then the schools are connected to the pediatricians and the pediatricians are connected to the gender clinics and the gender clinics are connected to the insurance companies and the insurance companies are connected to the legislators so you have like this huge chain of responsibility this and ecosystem they're all gonna go like, they're all going to go like this right they're all going to yeah. point at each other yeah, yeah. so the yeah, legislators yeah. are going to say well the aap said that yeah, this yeah. was the thing we're supposed to do and the aap is going to go back to the legislature and say well you said that we couldn't do conversion therapy and yep. the teachers are going to say we were just following policy yep. and the aclu wrote this policy and the aclu is going to say we didn't <laughs> we, we didn't have any touch in this I want that chain okay. not happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, and the so blame, I uh, want chain. some yeah. really smart attorneys to join in this. Yeah. Um, and figure out how we're going to keep all these people responsible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by doing that. And so, so here's one of the things that, uh, that we're doing is we're making sure we're educating each one of these groups. That they can't say we didn't know. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, so you're giving them the information right now. You're saying this is exactly what's happening, and we're uh, notarizing that we told you this. Um, so we actually have you responsible. <laughs> Sign on the dotted line. You, you understand what you know. Well, I mean, that's... To the extent we you meet can. With, we, we, we meet with the lawmakers, and yeah. we say we met with these lawmakers, and we told you our stories, and you still voted for the sanctuary state. We're going to hold you to account. We're going to remind everyone what you did. Mm -hmm. 
you know, there's a there's an underground railroad that happens with parents. So when we find out that a, you know, that a, a, a hospital is going to remove an 18 year old's breasts, um, and that child has mental health issues, which they all do. They all do. By definition, but yes, we bombard that entity with phone calls and letters and those parents of that child will paper them with all the mental illnesses of that child and so when that child is ready to file suit we have all those receipts you took the breasts off a child who is severely autistic and you knew because we told you and not just me parent told you but all these random parents called in and they sent you letters they told you we knew that you not to do this hmm. and we parents raise money together to file these lawsuits we fund them mm -hmm. we crowdsource mm -hmm. this um, is a big project so huge. you must be working 12 to 14 hours a day <laughs> yes yeah um so i pay to work i pay 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 to work okay yeah you're this is a, a labor maybe not a labor of love but a, a labor of, it's motivated by um justice in, in a very true sense so i would like to switch a little bit and go from the political activity and by political i mean everything that we're talking about to the personal and to give resources or your own testimony about how you enabled your daughter to desist from this path and uh, the other things that you've learned from other parents about strategies and, and methodologies of uh, assisting a daughter or a son from irreversibly modifying their body according to this faulty idea of gender. How did it go for you? Well, let, let me let me just finish up the last conversation okay, yeah. um, because I want to invite parents who want to join the army where to go. Yeah. Um, so go to um, ourduty.group and fill in the contact sheet and join me. And I've got plenty of action items that parents can do anonymously mm -hmm. from their computer Um you know, basically cost-free things that they can do to start moving the needle. Because we need tens of thousands of parents doing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's my that's my plug for our duty. Um, and could you spell that out loud? I will put that in the description. R as in O-U-R-A-R-E or just R? O-U-R-D-U-T-Y. Okay. That group. That group. Okay. It's an international group, and then there's a U.S. group. Okay. That will be linked and that's in where, the description. Yeah. Um. Uh. So thank you for opening the conversation about desistance, um, because I know parents are are really looking for resources and trying to figure out how to bring their child back to reality. And it is a long, slow process. 
um, that one needs to be very strategic about and move slowly with compassion and love and um, a plan. Um, hmm. And it's not easy. And it's there's a there's a phenomenon that happens when your child gets caught up in this uh, you know gender sphere that parents lose, all of their their confidence, they crumble. The strongest of parent is stripped of their strength uh, because y- you um, you blame yourself and you wonder like how what did I do like how did this happen and um, and you're lost uh, and there's no roadmap for you and you're alone. And so I've seen really strong parents, including myself. I'm a pretty strong human. I mean, I crumbled. Hmm. There were days I didn't get out of bed. Um, and you lose confidence. You you suddenly can't write a letter. You you suddenly can't make a decision. Hmm. And parents need to regain that confidence. Um, and it's really, really important for parents to follow their gut. Your gut is usually the right answer for everything. Um, so in our in our case, and in and in most of the families that have desisters or detransitioners in our group here in California, and we have about a twenty percent desistance rate, um, and the kids are still young, so I suspect that that's going to increase. But um, you really have to wrangle that in- internet from them. Okay. And most parents aren't willing to do that. Okay. Which you have to. The internet you- is key or the restriction or the abolition of the internet is key. Correct. Correct. You're not going to win. You're not going to be able to prevail when there's millions of other voices out there that are that's telling your child that you are a bigot, a transphobe and a horrible human. And that they're loved and affirmed um, in their true authentic self by believing what we believe out here on Reddit or whatever. Right. Right. And they're the only ones that love you. Yeah. Yeah. Which of course. Hormones and crap. (laughs) Binders. Right. Right. And then we won't be there to catch you when you, when you fall. Well, especially if you desist, then you're you're done for. You will get completely rejected by those people. Yeah, but then they don't need them anymore. Yeah. Um, but, Rainbow cannon fodder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. Ha- it, it's it's like um, it's like a drug addict, right? You have to get the cocaine away. Mm-hmm. You can't leave it out on the table for them. You can't leave it in their pocket. Mm. It's too tempting for for parents with kids who are under the age of eighteen. You can control the internet if you want to. It's hard. It's it's really really hard, and um, your child's going to say that they hate you. They're going to do. I mean, my kid ran away. They're going to do all sorts of say all sorts of terrible things to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. It's like an addict, right? They want 
They want that. They need it. But you have to wrangle it out. Just And just like with any addiction, it's a, it's a time game. How long can you keep them away from the internet? You're not going to keep them away 100%. That's an impossible. Um, in our case, we had, you know, kids would drop off their old iPhone 5s and 6s and I'd have to search your room and I would find them, mm-hmm. but you can do that. I mean, you can, you, you know, what's connected to your router. You can see when a new device is connected to it. Yeah. You can block it. Um, it's hard. It's hard, but if, but, but if you don't do anything and this is what, you know, some of the parents do, they're just kind of waiting, waiting for the child to outgrow it, waiting for the opening to do something. You, you can't wait, especially when they're under 18, you got to catch them you got to catch them when you still have some control. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And not that they won't grow out of it, but what they lose in the process is pretty terrifying if you are at all familiar with what we've been talking about with the medicalization end of this thing. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, at 18, they can walk into Planned Parenthood and get whatever they want. They can order it online. Your insurance is going to pay for it. What What's the likelihood if you did this, and I'm sorry to subject you to a terrible thought experiment, but if you did nothing, where do you think your daughter would be now? I think she would still be trans-identified. Do you think uh, she'd be modified, trans-modified? Well, I would never have agreed to it. I mean, yeah, she's still okay. under the age of 18. Okay, yeah. Um, but so that's you still have that power in California, right. yeah. For now. Yeah, uh, because California is trying to make itself a sanctuary state for minors, trans-identified minors, and the medicalization of them, from what I understand, is the bill that you guys are actively fighting against right now. Yeah, what what, what California is doing is enticing minors to run away to California, because when you are in foster care or you are a ward of the state— you get to dictate your own gender, health, treatments. So all you have to do is be 12. So if you're in foster care in California and you're 12, oh my God. you can dictate what you do to your body. Same in New York. God. That's the law. Yeah. The, the Rachel, uh, whoever that trans-identified uh, surgeon deputy general was involved in in the uh, promotion of foster care transition and it just seems like a complete like residential schools it's like we have this uh we, we have all these poor uh orphans uh we don't want them to spawn so what is the best way to do that we'll convince them to change their sex and there we go at, at the age of 12. Like just imagine the, the amount of trauma, the amount of underdevelopedness, the other conditions that they're going through. And then they're offered drugs and attention and, and some form of medicalized love. What group is more vulnerable than foster care kids? Good God. I can't think of really any. 
Um, and so they're picking on them. And Joanna Olson Kennedy, the uh, uh, director of the largest gender clinic in the United States, those are her patients. And because she can experiment on them, hmm. nobody, care, nobody cares about them. Hmm. They can really perfect uh, their surgeries. Yeah, you don't have those pesky parents in the in the way. And what they do is they entice kids to run away. They 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 make it pronouncements. If you come to New York and you're under 18, you can dictate your own gender health. You can get your hormones and your surgeries and it by the way, it's paid for by the state. It's paid for by Medi-Cal. Um yeah, so it's an it's an enticement to run away. Um, wow. And that's what California's doing with with the sanctuary state mm-hmm. uh, with this or statute that they're trying to pass is they're enticing kids to come here, and once they're here, then they get the then they get the flip argument. All these poor trans kids are homeless and in foster care. They're actually creating that. They're creating the numbers. Kids talk online. And I know this because I saw it on kids' phones. They talk online about that, you know, to run away. If you really want to get this stuff, run away. That website that I was talking to you about on the school site. Yeah, that's one of the ways to get, you know, gendered. Uh, gender intervention is is to run away. Who is this benefiting? Certainly not the kids. Yeah, no, not the kids. Uh, I guess uh, whoever's making money off of this, and then whoever's getting that fancy Frankensteinian uh, master's degree in genital mutilation, right? Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people that feel good about being inclusive and being on the cutting edge of some sort of social, uh, the latest civil rights um, turn of progressive march. Well, I'm sure you've heard this term now. I mean, this is the new euphemism, gender journey. <laughs> yeah, I love that one, but I know it's terrible. It's so silly. Yeah, you're on a gen- like like it's like we all went through this. I'm sorry, I'm I'm over fifty. I didn't have a gender journey. I just kind of grew body, yeah. you know. <laughs> and they make it so they really actually like if you talk to the total ideologues, mm-hmm. um, like Scott Moser in San Francisco, he predicts, you know, in in his fantasy, and and Joanna Olson Kennedy says the same thing um, that in 20 years kids are just going to decide it's going to be kind of the norm that no kid goes through uh their normal natural puberty they just everybody goes on puberty blockers and when they're ready they decide what sex they want to be there's actually a twilight zone episode about this from the 50s i'm pretty sure like almost down to the letter which one which Uh, one the the one about well, it, it, it's body modification, but yes, I know like, the yeah, one. It's it's something body number nine or something. Yeah, body something like seven. you get to select what body you are when. when yeah, it comes and you to get. Age. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I watched that the other day just to remind myself because I. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're doing. You get to you get to choose five forms. Like there's something wrong with your body. There's nothing wrong with, 
nobody has a perfect body. Hmm. Um, but to tell to tell a human there's everything, everything from your hands to your toes to your knees to your everything is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. What a horrible way. Well, what a horrible- I, I remember when I was 14, I was really obsessed with how my thighs would jiggle when I walked. And I was a pretty thin kid, but like th- there's this massive muscle that would jiggle and jiggle and jiggle. Like and I was just obsessed about that. If I was like, I had to deal with that problem in my own head. I was not connected to the internet. That's before the internet, but I was just like obsessing about these different parts of my body. Uh, if I was offered a fix for that, I would fixate on the fix for that. I was already fixated on my body as somebody who was marginally not outside of the norm in any given instance. But like every teen goes through that. If they're offered a fix, they're going to fixate on the fix. They're already fixated. They're already making these problems for themselves. Yeah, I mean, every every teenager, first of all, thinks everybody's looking at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, Uh, and then you have the social media on top of that, making that the case. But yeah, continue, sorry. Right, but you know, they... you know, they get a pimple and they think everybody's just talking to their pimple. Nobody's paying attention to you because they're talking to their own. You know, they're looking at themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we're and we like none of these none of this stuff needs any more studies. Body dysmorphia. Yeah. The studies show body dysmorphia. So if you if you um, if somebody thinks that their hand should be cut off. And they obsess because they think their hand should be cut off. If you cut that hand off, they just move to another part of their body and get dysmorphic about another part of their body. Hmm. So it's not a solution. The doctors know, the medical community knows that that's not a solution for body dysmorphia. Why is it any different for gender? Hmm. We know this. A kid starts with the social transition. Step one. Hmm. Step two. Then the child wants hormones. That doesn't resolve their unhappiness. Step three, well, then you're going to have to cut off your breasts. Yeah. You know, it's scaffolding. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, they're like, sorry, well, can't I, help you. Even even adults who transition, I don't think that there's ever an end. You, you do the hormones, then you do the face thing, then you do the voice thing, then you do the, the hip thing. And then, like, there's all of these different things. It becomes like a pet project or a hobby. That, that there's no end. There's no end to transition. There's so many different procedures, right? So once you once you solve one thing, it does it does really does progress. Um, and that being said, there are a number of trans people who know when to stop and who receive benefit from that. But that's a very rare case in these days and with these numbers that were, especially with the cohort, um, the ROGD cohort that you're speaking about specifically. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's searching for happiness. It's continuously searching for happiness and body modification doesn't give happiness. It just doesn't. It, and, and you, mm-hmm. you have to fix the brain. You have to mm-hmm. change how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. People who get, you know, gastric bypass surgery. Yes. They're euphoric for a while. They lose a lot of weight. But it doesn't actually change what was going on in their brain, what was making them overeat. Why were they so unhappy that they were trying to look for joy in food? Mm -hmm. That doesn't get resolved. Mm -hmm. You have to resolve that. Mm -hmm. And 
we don't we don't resolve that because we're you know the, there is no psychotherapy for these kids nobody says really what's going on i mean there's a, there's a joke you send your kid in i mean among parents now you send your kid in for an eating disorder and they come out as trans it's not really a joke that's really what happens hmm. they don't resolve the eating disorder they just add another layer yeah yeah they they, they pass it off no that's actually what's happening they they go in for depression, they go in for anxiety, obsession, autism, <laughs> even, and then they come out as trans. I've I've heard that story repeated many times. And it's and it's and, and that's the shameful part about it too, because then kids can't gender express. So if you have a little boy who likes to wear dresses, and there are a lot of little boys who like to wear dresses. Boy clothes are boring. Like you've got a little mm-hmm. truck and they're brown and they're you know, I mean, I used to dress my brother up in in girls' clothes. I it it didn't mean anything. Oh, you you're performing a little gender clinic back in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just you know, it's just fun. Just like I used to walk around with my dad's shoes on. I mean, yeah. and put a tie on and pretend to shave my face. We all did this. It was harmless. It's no longer harmless anymore because that kid who's wearing that dress to school now has a teacher who says, "Oh, are you transgender?" Do you want us to call you by a different name? Innocence is now um, hmm. pathologized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all know that ki- we all know, you know, you walk around in November and you see a bunch of Spider-Mans like these kids are still in their Halloween costumes. They can't take it off. They are now identifying as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. This is what kids do. Mm-hmm. And we're making it into something that it's not. It's just a kid. Yeah. 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 Derailing uh, development for the sake of, I don't know what ever this thing is at root. I mean, I have, I'm I'm optimistic. Maybe I'm the, I I am optimistic. I, I, yes, totally. (laughs) I have people call me and send me emails all the time to join the army. Yeah. Random people, people without kids, people with young children. Yeah. They want this to end. Everybody's waking up to this. It's our job to just make it go faster. Yeah. Even the AAP backed down a little bit. Did they? What did they do? Tiny. Um, But... You know, you can see the comments to the New York Times articles. You can see all the comments now. They're all gender critical comments. Yeah. We are a much bigger number than the trans activists. Yeah. And that's what I want to instill on people is it's time to rush the stage. There is enough safety. There's safety in numbers. They cannot cancel us all. Target was down 90% because they sold all these trans clothes. Didn't work. Why? Because we're done with this crap. Hmm. And so people who can stand up, stand up now. It's like, um, what is it, Chantel? Is that was her name? The the gal from, the teacher from Canada that you had on. Yeah, yeah, Chanel. Yeah. We got cut off for an extended period of time. So I think that we did a good enough job getting the word out for what your work is doing, the state of 
this trans ideology, how it's affecting kids, the state, etc. So what is it that you want people to know how they can contact you and uh, what they can do? Okay. So I, I would like them to contact me through the Our Duty um, website. There's a contact form in there so they can reach out and uh, hopefully tell me where they're from. And then um, we're going to start posting armchair advocacy items so people can do it under, you know, anonymity, um, low cost. And then there'll be bigger calls to action, um, such as showing up at protests and alike. And if you can't show up, um, maybe donating some money because this is just, you know, this is grassroots. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it costs it costs money to to make signs and and uh, do these. Let actions. alone the legal fees. <laughs> what legal fees are you talking about? Well, you, <laughs> no, we the spoke ones that were about, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that we're raising, for for, yeah, we are we are ra- raising funds. Um, I just read today that there's a there's a suit that was filed in Australia. Um, so the suits are coming, and um, the attorneys need a little bit of. Uh, nudging and a little bit of funding because similar to the tobacco cases uh, the cases are going to be lost early on there's going to be some cases lost and then they're all going to fall Um, right now the lawsuits uh, against schools seem to be prevailing in our favor and there's a lot of um, legal groups that are willing to take those cases on gratis Mm -hmm. Um, it's the medical malpractice suits that we need to raise money for um, because they're risky. Um, They're harder to win, but they'll win. Mm -hmm. And the armchair advocacy that you have on your website, is that specific to California or is that nationwide? No, it's nationwide. Okay. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be really simple. Like I do things like, those free libraries that you see in your neighborhood, you can stick some books in there. Hmm. I always go back a day later and they're always gone. Now, whether they're thrown in the trash or not, I don't know. But, you know, we stick them in libraries. Um, there's free newspapers. You can stick, you know, Save Women's Sports flyers in there. And you don't have to recreate any of this stuff. It's just copying. And mm-hmm. and it's it's all about educating mm-hmm. Um and if you're afraid to do it, you know, in your real name, you can you can do these things. Um, over Pride Month, I um, I saw you know the the trans flags flying, and I marked down those addresses, and they got packages mailed to them. Um, maybe I can, you know, save one of their kids. Mm-hmm. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With, without divulging the personal uh, 
information of your daughter. Once you got her out of the internet and backed her away from this, what are some of the activities or the things that you gave her in the stead of the internet that really captured her, her energy and, and allowed her to develop and ground herself? Well, I mean, yeah, you took, you take the internet away, you have to replace it. You always have to replace a bad habit with a good habit. And what we did is, uh, I sent her to go visit family, um, you know, across, across the nation, really, um, time with grandparents, time with, uh, my siblings in very safe spaces where, um, they know that she's a girl, they treat her as a girl and she can't really trick them. And she's not going to be able to convince them. Um, we did things like um, camps that were, I wouldn't say forced labor, but where they had to do activities such as, you know, cleaning things or, or saving the, you know, saving the marine life, um, mm-hmm. where she got to learn the strength of her female body and was tired it's almost like a baby you have to, or, or a puppy, you have to tire them out so that they don't have time to ruminate hmm. about the gender stuff over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and with regard to uh, saving marine life, caring about something other than this nefarious identity, like, like not only strengthening her body, but strengthening her heart and her connection with the outside world and having yeah. an actual impact rather than likes on a screen. Correct. And and I did things too. Um, when she did get those likes, I asked her to put her hand on her chest and, and feel her heart palpitating. Hmm. Um, she, she did an art project and she got, you know, all these likes. I mean, it was, you know, in the thousands. And I said, now look at yourself in the mirror and see, see how flushed you are. Hmm. A- and now think about if somebody said something mean to you. You know, if the internet people said something mean and how terrible that would feel. And the only thing, you know, the only person that you should really care about liking it is you. Like you should be able to get that same heart palpitation and that Mm. same flushed face from pride because or from your family, because we're the only ones who know how long or how long it took you to make that. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of this bringing it back to like, these people don't care about you. They really don't. The only people that care about you are the people who know you, mm-hmm. really know you, like can touch you and know you. Um, this fantasy of, of these friends, these internet friends, they don't exist. They're not friends. They're, and, they're echo, echo chambers. Yeah, even if one or two of them you got to know, you could only really know one or two of them at the end of the day, right? Or over the course of years, real friends are take a long time to develop. And, uh, this ephemeral kind of friendship is no substitute in the long run for family, friends, lovers, etc. Of course, age appropriately speaking, right? Yes. Yes. But uh, correct. And, and I mean, you're, you're younger than I am, but you, if you were going to make something, if you were going to do something dumb as a teenager, like really something really stupid, which I'm sure we all did. Look, we all did that, right? That's part of growing up. But if you were going to do something really nutty, your real friends, there'll be one of them who's, who would say, maybe you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You really want to do that? Do you think it's a really good idea? 
um, the internet people don't do that. They, there are no, they don't care. They, they just say full steam ahead, go for it. You be you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the way that these groups are developed to push out anybody who does provide friction or resistance to full affirmation uh, along any given vector or applause. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy. I mean, you have to keep working on it. I used to just tell my daughter to get in the car and I wouldn't tell her where I was taking her hmm. um, because if I told her she wouldn't want to go. So it was almost, you know, mean mom, get in the car. And then I would take her to the beach. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, like, I mean, it would be drop nice... her off on the side of I-5. Now pick up the trash. Girl. No, 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 no. But she wouldn't want to leave her room. She wouldn't yeah. want to leave her yeah. room. And curios curiosity would get the better of her. And then hmm. we'd go to the beach and um, she'd be mean to me for the first, you know, 20 minutes. And you just keep, you just keep taking it and you just keep hmm. walking. And eventually they soften and they, they start to come back slowly. It's almost uh, like you're acting like an adult. <laughs> Me? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you have to take you have to take your parenting power back. We somehow decided that we need to parent and be friends. We don't have to be friends with our children when they're teenagers. We have to be respected, we have to be listened to, and we have to be authoritative. And lo and behold, they still like you, <laughs> you know, and they may like you even more. They may tell you that they don't, but we know this with young kids, the kids that thrive have boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, boundaries, not binders. That should be a yeah. bumper sticker. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The old binders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had lots of fun with those. Oh no. <laughs> it's a whole other story. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, they're sneaky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can get them for free at school. I mean. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sure. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's another lawsuit for malformed back and scrunched up organs. Jeez yeah. Louise. I can't believe how far this has come. And it's all because people haven't been able to stand up or we were lulled into complacency and inclusion, um, as the one and only moral compass that we have and all the, uh, outcomes of this we've been blind to. Yeah. I don't think I would have predicted how bad it got even in the last two years i mean really at the at the local high school here they have a um they have a trans kit and it says explore me explore me explore me with like enticing a kid and inside of it is trans tape so any student at this high school can go into that counselor's office and get trans tape so you can make a packer you know a fake penis oh um, you can, you know, yeah. And you can tape up your, you know, your, your penis if you want. Tuck it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yep. And you can flatten your breasts and, you know, it's available for any student to walk into that school counselor's office and, and, and grab some tape. Okay. That's uh, yeah. like a tapeworm. It's a uh, parasitic <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. You can't get aspirin, but you can get trans tape. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. Wow. And parents don't know. 
I, I tell you, you know, on those walk through your high school, take a look, see mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, it wouldn't be weird if uh, instead of going uh, along the body modification with regard to sex characteristics, schools were offering free facelifts behind your parents' back or something like that, like injections to make you more muscular or Botox or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's weird because the same thing with uh, anorexia or uh, plastic surgery, we, uh, we we have a intuitive moral sense as a community that that's wrong, but somehow the trans stuff which is using those same the same material outcomes is is uh is included or uh, occluded from scrutiny yeah it's it's uh it's strange i i always um i don't know how they got away with this argument authentic self be your authentic self by taping your body parts by changing your body parts by removing your body parts by altering your body parts that is the antithesis of the hmm. of authentic self. Well, it, it reduces those body parts. It reduces breasts and genitals to a haircut. Like that, that's how it how it comes across. It's just like it's changing your personality. It's changing your look, just like a haircut. It's just another thing that you do to modify yourself to feel good about yourself, right? Because I know we all kind of, at least with our hair and our appearance, we do have some sort of uh, authentic self that we put on, or we put on, or we produce ourselves in order to come across in a certain way and and uh, plug into the world in a certain way. Um, so there's a grain of vanity that's very useful in, you know, being clean, not smelling too bad, etc. that teenagers play with and adults hopefully learn at some point. But this is a whole nother step, but it's still kind of preying on the same kind of vanity uh, or, or shallow kind of uh, imagistic uh, knowing of the self. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's picking on the vulnerable kids yeah. and, uh, you know, kids, kids are always searching for some type of belonging. Um, that was a conversation I had with my, my, my daughter too, is she saw these girls, you know, in their jean shorts and their half shirts and their, you know, their eyelet sh shirts. And there's like four of them and they're just walking down the street and they, and she said, Oh, they're copy and paste girls. And mm. I said, well, you're copy and paste, too. You're just copying and pasting out of a different page of the magazine. Oh, no. Uh, did, she did not like that. <laughs> did she get a look of uh, recognition or embarrassment in her eye? Or she well, just deny, deny, deny? She wasn't ready for that. She she just, you know, the eye roll. I mean, a lot of a mm. lot of the things I would say to her were I would call them drive by comments. Because you don't really ha want to have the full discussion with them because you yeah. can't you can't have the gender discussion head on. You have to do it kind of sideways. Yeah. So we would listen to uh, I, I would, you know, make her listen to a, a podcast that's all about cults. Mm -hmm. Knowing that at the end of it, I would say something like after three or four of them, I'd say, you know, some people think that gender ideology is a cult mm -hmm. and I wouldn't wait for a response. I just let it sit and walk away. Um, we talked about social contagions and hysteria and the laughing contagion and anorexia. And then at the end of that, I said, yeah, some people think hmm. the trans is a social contagion. 
And then you leave. You don't wait for an answer. You just uh, kind of give that crack. Although what we've been speaking about with uh, helping your daughter through this and getting her out of this and having her to desist from this is kind of combative, uh, kind of confrontational, either uh, head on or sideways. And you say sideways is better. Um, was there a positive to this in the sense of did you learn more about her as a unique individual? And did you learn more about yourself by going through this struggle? Um, well, I learned I learned a lot about myself to to trust my gut, which I didn't early on. I didn't. Mm. And when I when she started to hang around certain kids, I thought these kids aren't good for her. Um, they're not good kids. And they came from different types of homes. But I look at parenting as mother to one, mother to all. So I didn't ever want to exclude them from my home or hanging out with my child because I thought we could give them good Mm-hmm. you know, attributes. Um, mm-hmm. And I, sh- I should have blocked them. I should have, I, I should have followed my gut and said, you know what, these friends are not the people that you should be hanging out with when she was, you know, in sixth and seventh grade, when you have a lot of control over mm-hmm. whether you're driving your child to a, a friend's house or letting a sleepover happen. If you, do, if you suspect something in this day and age, I mean, it's sad, but you should follow it. Um hmm. And I found out, you know, my my daughter's a really um, inclusive kid. This is why she fell prey to it. Uh, she wants to make everyone feel good and comfortable. I mean, she uh, said she was pansexual. That's the, you know, feel good. I love everyone. Everyone yeah. loves me. Um, so it's like a she, morning skillet with all the vegetables and all the cheese and all the different t- potatoes. And yeah. And that's a very normal because you're inclusive and you're loving and you're kind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and she didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to be part of a group. And, you know, I learned that she was struggling to be a part of a group because she's, you know, artsy. And our family is sporty. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we learned a l- lot about that, that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe she felt that she didn't fit in. So maybe we didn't cultivate her artsy side enough and um, hmm. promote that enough. But then you, you were given the opportunity to, to focus her in those directions, her natural yeah. directions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I wouldn't say that that I'm glad that this happened. <laughs> um, I'm glad that it happened in that now I am able to help other families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where they can't stand up, I can stand up for them. And that's an honor. It's a, It's a real honor to be able to be their voice. But it's not enough just to stand up for them. Uh, part and parcel of this episode is you trying to help people to their feet because more people do need to stand up and, as you say, rush the stage. So you're, you're yep. doing more than just standing up for them uh, because that's not enough. Uh, the, the tsunami is too big. 
Yes. And and the one thing that I've I have said to them, and not that I was the first one out the door, because I certainly wasn't, but I won't ask anything of a parent unless I'm willing to do it myself. And usually I do it first. And I let them know nothing happened to me. I mean, I protested in the middle of San Francisco. Ah, hmm. Nothing happened to me. Um and so I won't ask anybody to do anything that I'm not willing to risk. Mm -hmm. And then they feel confident. I yeah. mean, for example, when we uh, when we testify in, in Sacramento, I had one other parent come. And then the next time I had five parents come. And then the next time I had 10 parents come. And the parent who said that, you know, she wouldn't walk up to the microphone because she was too afraid. Well, guess what she did? She walked up to the microphone. And she felt powerful. Hmm. And now she's emboldened to do more because you realize like I, you have to do this. There's no, there's nobody coming in to save us. We parents and the detransitioners, we are, we are the army. We are the, we are the front. Mm -hmm. First responders. Um, yeah. And it, it's going to be us. That's going to change it. Hmm. So we have to stand up. There's, there's, there's safety in numbers. And so I need everyone to follow, follow and come mm -hmm. regardless of our differences. Hmm. And there's plenty of those, but we can put those aside for now. We can disagree <laughs> on 99% of the things. If you agree on safeguarding children, mm. you are my friend. I have gone to many a Republican meeting sitting next to somebody who is full on, you know, Trumper. Um, and he and I can have a conversation and we can agree on things and we can support each other on this movement to protect children. And then in the evening, I can go to a radical feminist Zoom call and same sex attracted Zoom call. And I I'm just as comfortable or uncomfortable there, too. Um, however, we want to look at it, but they're in the same fight and uh, we need to amplify our voices mm -hmm. And join forces and just get it done. I mean, we're close. We're really, really close. I, I mean, I I feel it. Do you? Um, there's a lot of things coming. There's a lot of stories to be told. I don't know how long it's going to take or how much willpower it's going to take to uh, allow reason to prevail. Uh, but... In the meantime, there's a lot of people, more and more people with more and more talent and energy and virtue that are joining um, in this discussion and uh, demanding uh, safety and uh, for the protection of childhood. Yeah, and humanity. I mean, quite frankly, mm -hmm. humanity. It sounds like hyperbole, but it's humanity. Mm -hmm. Because where we're going, if if we if we don't keep talking and we don't start shouting, is that children will be able to consent to sex um, at, as children mm -hmm. and make those decisions on their own. And parents are not going to be parents anymore. We're just going to be baby makers and the state takes our kids. Um, so we have a lot at stake here. I don't think 
I, I mean, the opioid crisis was massive. This crushes it. Well, uh, not to get too uh, class-minded, but the fentanyl-slash-opioid crisis affected lower income, and this is targeting the, the middle class uh, very hardcore, uh, especially the first, uh, the future middle class, too. Um, so it's akin, but I think that it, it, it's damaging the people who run society, not in a top-down manner, but actually keep things functioning, the middle class um, and their children and the amount of resources that are being spent on helping these kids and pulling them out and the amount of energy you invested into helping your child through that. What could have that been spent on? You know, what kind of economic um, stuff could you have produced or, or charitable stuff you could you have produced if this wasn't there? So it's tapping our resources as well as threatening our future. Yeah. California spends, you know, that's my, ne that's my next, that's my next investigation. How much California spends? Oh no. I mean, it's in the billions <laughs> to, to indoctrinate our kids hmm. just in the billions. And, and it's coming out of whose pocket? Yeah. Our taxpayers. Yeah. Pocket and what they could do with that, you know. Senator Weiner talks about uh, two hundred thousand trans-identified people in California. Oh, and he is spending so much money on two hundred thousand. There are seven hundred and fifty thousand children living in poverty between the ages of zero and five in mm. California. Why are we spending all this money? Why aren't we taking care of the, the, the children who need to eat mm -hmm. as opposed to spending this money on surgeries that are not going to heal them? You know, we somehow we somehow have turned to a society that it, that it, the most marginalized gets the biggest piece of pie. Or has the biggest voice. Mm. Yeah, or are used by people to uh, cement and uh, maintain their power, to attain and maintain their power. Um, but because I, I just don't, I don't see how efficient California is with any of its programs, let alone this one. Um, uh, but there's a lot of lip, lip service given to the marginalized, and um, and. That said, you are doing that. You are doing that work as an independent citizen. You're, you're kind of being very American in a way and, uh, you know, putting in your own energy to help your community rather than relying on the state to do it or the system to do it. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> sorry, in dealing with, with, the, with the California lawmakers, too, I, I don't even think they read the bills that they're voting on. Yeah, they they don't even read them. They and, and and when they ask the question of the author, and the author spews lies, they they can't combat it because they haven't read the bill. Yeah, hmm. and that to me was probably the most shocking thing that I learned over the last year. Is wow, they don't even read the bill that's affecting a child. Hmm. They're willing to pass a bill that that requires reeducation of doctors. Hmm. endlessly sounds like china to me but hmm. they're willing to get rid of our first amendment rights 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maoist California. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. Hmm. Be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what, what it's happened. historical in the very least. What's going on right now is historical, and uh, I mean, not that you care that much for being in a history book or not, but you're on the you're on the line. You're on the front line of something pretty tremendous. So, thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Always great. Always great to hear your voice. No, and yours as well. Well, I can't say always, but. Yeah, it's been great to speak. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Have a good rest of your day.